Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessedsunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along. Monday night edition of the first serve. We'll just come up the uh, betting order a little uh, due to the NBL Cup uh, later on tonight. Uh, it's great to be here after, well, a summer of tennis that has felt like probably uh, two months uh, condensed into uh, three weeks. If we think of the uh, leading events into the Australian Open, I think as soon as the players actually all landed in Australia in the middle of January, that's how uh, long I feel like the summer of tennis has uh, gone. We take a bit of a, a breath today. I just drove uh, past Melbourne Park on the way here and it's still all set up so it'll take a little bit of time to uh, dismantle but would love uh, your calls uh, tonight and post the Australian Open we get back into our regular Monday night show. Normally We'll be at uh, 8 o'clock, but we uh, shift up with the NBL Cup, a uh, bit of hoops a little bit uh, later on after uh, 7 o'clock. We'd love your reflections on the Australian Open. Plenty on our social media today at uh, the first serve, well, not on Facebook. Uh, that's a bit disappointing, but uh, still on Twitter. Uh, still on uh, Instagram, and you can check us out at thefirstserve.com.au, uh, uh, and I'll answer a few of those uh, social inquiries uh, throughout the hour today. Uh, always got some great prizes. Favourite online tennis store, fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. So just go to their website, tennisdirect.com.au. You can get that 10% discount if you mention uh, the promo code FIRSTSERVE10, and they are giving away, in conjunction with Yonex, uh, three prize packs to the value of over $500. So a Yonex a V-Core 2021 100 tennis racket, cap, socks, a tub of the super grab over groups. We've also got, thanks to our good friends at Sunbless Sunscreen, uh, the first serve tennis sunscreen. We've got that to give away tonight as well. That's designed specifically for tennis. You can order yours at sunblessunscreens.com.au. Just use that discount code SCN. Also, I'll throw in the mix tonight, uh, thanks to Australia's hype sneaker label, Athletican, available exclusively online at athletikan.com. Just use that uh, discount code FIRSTSERVE15. Uh, got a pair of sneakers to the value of $129 to give away. And also, Naomi Osaka uh, on the weekend uh, lifted the Daphne Akers Memorial Cup. So uh, the book, of course, regarding the, um, the history of Daphne Akers, if you've ever wondered what she did, who she was, uh, the woman behind the trophy. We've also got a number of copies of that uh, to give away uh, tonight. So get involved, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 We can talk Australian Open, but if you want to talk 
broader, all things tennis, anything you want to put on the agenda tonight, uh, very happy to uh, have you on board. Uh, we'll have a chat to Scott Spitz, uh, leading tennis writer for The Age, who was down at Melbourne Park with me for uh, two weeks. Uh, gee, the tennis has moved very quickly. Uh, the ladies are in Adelaide right now. We may get across there this hour where Ash Barty is uh, the top seed. Uh, Frank in one turn. Uh, Frank, it's uh, great to have you on the first serve. Yes, uh, look, I'd like to um, bring attention to someone that's probably more relieved than Craig Tilly about the uh, finish of the tennis. Is uh, my wife. She's the um, safety officer for the whole complex. And uh, you would not believe what she had to go through with all the um, dramas, you know, with players coming down with virus, the virus before they came to Australia. And she had to rewrite all the safety programs for the, for the thing nearly every second or third day for that first couple of weeks. And um, to get through it without any major dramas with regards to um, players contracting virus and, and uh, you know, spectators, uh, she is one relief woman, I tell you. Oh, no doubt. It's been a phenomenal effort, uh, Frank, and you know, having sort of walked all the corridors and all the zones uh, when I arrived there for the ATP Cup leading into the Australian Open, it was uh, superbly set up and run. I mean, hats off to Tennis Australia and their team. We'll have a chat to, uh, we'll hear from Craig Tiley uh, very shortly, who spoke um, in the aftermath uh, earlier today when Novak was... Uh, having photos with the, the trophy down there at uh, Brighton Beach, the Sir Norman Brooks uh, Challenge Cup. Uh, phenomenal effort. Yeah, hats off to them. I mean, you know, there were hurdles and there were um, different challenges certainly uh, thrown their way and they went from one contingency to the other. And, look, thank goodness we had some fans in at the end. Would have been uh, quite strange for the semi-finals and the finals to have no fans. And I think it's shown the world that we can run a, a major sporting event in a really COVID-safe uh, manner. So this is not going to be the case, though, for the tennis players departing Australia because they're going, obviously, to, you know, hotbeds in uh, Europe and the US and, and other parts of the world where, you know, probably the majority of tournaments are going to continue to be played uh, behind closed doors or with uh, very, uh, very little crowds. So all that uh, certainly to unfold. 0433981116 if you want to uh, send us a text through uh, your thoughts on the Australian Open for uh, 2021 and any other broader tennis issues. Uh, Simon's in Point Longsdale. Half your luck, Simon. Wouldn't mind uh, getting down there. Welcome. How you going, mate? Going well, thanks. Good, good. Oh, I'd just like to put a bit of a positive spin on everything. Um, the Australian Open's been great for junior players. Um, I've got three young boys under 12, and uh, they're just heading into finals now with tennis, and they've been glued to the uh, team ring, and um, yeah, it's such a challenging time to, to have the Australian Open get off the ground and do so well. It's just uh, really good to see. Good on you, mate. Sound like you're in the cement mixer. <laughs> Thank you for your call. Look, unfortunately, we didn't have the, the junior tournament. I think that is, well, from what I understand, going to be uh, um, certainly held later in the year at, at some stage, uh, the Australian Open uh, juniors. But, yeah, I suppose the implications, and, and Craig Tiley has spoken today, and he's spoken for the last a few weeks, the financial implications for Tennis Australia to hold this Australian Open. So once they do all the balances and checks over the next month, uh, it'll show the bottom line it's going to be a hard road. I mean, they've gone through pretty much all their uh, cash reserves. But what that means for everyone down down the line into the states, which Tennis Australia uh, heavily fund, and then into that junior development, 
uh, grassroots space, how much of that will be affected uh, due to uh, the Tennis Australia spend on running this year's Australian Open uh, will be really, really interesting to um, just see how they come out of that. They've got other assets, uh, Tennis Australia, but uh, we need a few weeks to totally get a read on uh, what this Australian Open has certainly cost uh, from a, a Tennis Australia point of view. Uh, Jeff is in East Hawthorne. Uh, Jeff, great to have you on board. Yeah, Brett. Um, yeah, two things. Um, obviously, very, very pleased to see the Australian Open go ahead. I agree with the, the caller before about the, the young children out there. My son has just completed his fourth and final year of ball kids. Um, it culminated with him doing Novak Djokovic for the first time ever on court. Fantastic. So he was absolutely thrilled. Yeah. But just the one farcical situation that I saw unfold at the end with the um, ceremonies that the uh, the ball kids wanted to take their masks off to have a photo with Novak and I don't know if anyone saw on the television that they were told by the powers to be that they weren't able to do that but everyone on the stage dais including the ball kid giving the trophy um, could have their masks um, off so it's just that on on and off again thing with the state government I think and that's probably why there's been a bit of mixed sentiment out there with this the whole mask thing but I thought that was just a shame to the ball kids because they um, they're really looking forward to that photo. No, I understand that totally. I mean, I was out there doing the doubles presentation for the men's earlier when all the kids uh, came over uh, with uh, Ivan Dodig and um, Philip Ploshek, which was a great win in the men's uh, doubles. I think one uh, young kid actually walked over without his mask on and uh, got reprimanded and I don't think was able to um, yeah get in the photo. So yeah, a little bit um, yeah a little bit inconsistent at times of who's wearing a mask and who isn't. I mean, I had to make a stack of announcements. Uh, the well right across to the finals weekend uh, with my on court duties, uh, telling people they had to uh, put a mask on all the time, even though the roof is open. And, and anyway, I mean it's uh, look. I think. It worked pretty well. I think most people who came to the tennis, the vast majority uh, just accepted uh, the, the COVID situation, that things were different, uh, just easier to abide rather than uh, rather than protest. Although, obviously, there's a, there was a few, probably, if I can put it nicely, a few loose cannons that got in uh, in the crowd uh, last night. But, you know, you buy your ticket, you can come along, you can barrack in whatever manner you like. And if you barrack uh, outside the uh, what's accepted, well, then uh, you get quickly uh, whisked out, as a few did uh, last night. Uh, Wally from Blackburn South, it's uh, pronounced uh, Tiley. Absolutely, yes. Uh, I don't know why he's called uh, Craig Tilly by anyone, but it is Craig Tiley. Uh, thank you, uh, Wally, for pronouncing that. The Australian Open was not a COVID success because it brought in several cases of the new COVID strain when we were COVID-free before they arrived. But what we've got uh, to mention here is that everything was contained. None of it uh, drifted out into the community. I don't want to get into all this stuff over the next hour, but I think in the wash-up, uh, the Australian Open, along with Quarantine Victoria, along with the government, contained all of this. I mean, Paula Bardosa was the one player that tested positive. She was put into a special additional hotel, the Holiday Inn, and she had to serve a longer period before she came out. The other officials who tested positive had to have an extended stay and obviously anyone that was uh, impacted on those flights uh, had the extra lockdown period. So got out into the community and there was community transmission, absolutely everyone could be up in arms. So for me, it's uh, absolutely been a COVID success. Uh, BP, what's the future for lines people going forward into the 2021 men's and women's and combined tournaments? An interesting question. 
And I'm not trying to do lines people out of a job, but I'm telling you right now, there's been an overwhelming support for the electronic line calling. It's a cleaner court. Uh, the players, yes, uh, certainly you know, getting towards the business end of the tournament were not happy with some of the calls and they could request certainly a replay, but it's foolproof technology. It's 100%. Uh, they, they can't argue it, and uh, which is, you know, probably takes away a little bit of the uh, theatre, but I think if we, if we want you know, and have technology, then you know, it's, it's, it's got to work. And it's 18 months it was tested, uh, this technology. So uh, it's absolutely uh, foolproof. I don't know why you'd actually would want to be a lines person, to be totally honest. It is the hardest job. I've set behind lines people. You need an eagle eye. I mean, Wimbledon will be the interesting one. And Roland Garros with the clay, you know, still having the chair umpire come down, looking at the mark when they haven't even brought in Hawkeye, uh, certainly for their French Open. So I think it's going to be a little bit different right around the world, but eventually it's got pretty much the players' support uh, for it to uh, continue to uh, roll along. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can uh, get your calls in uh, tonight or 0433981116 on the text. Uh, Hume Tennyson Community Centre is uh, one of Australia's premier tournament and training venues, just 15 minutes from Melbourne Airport, 16 ITF-sized courts and accommodation available. It is a mini Melbourne park. It's an outstanding setup. It's ideal for the travelling coaching groups and families. Uh, check out uh, humetennis.com.au. We might have a quick listen to Craig Tiley, the CEO of Tennis Australia, the Australian Open Tournament Director, who uh, had this to say earlier today in uh, the wash-up of a, a big two weeks, really, a big uh, nine months for Tennis Australia. Craig, how was the wash-up from last night? Was it quieter than previous ones? Yep, it was a COVID quiet. Um, it was, uh, uh, you know, we normally have a good time uh, afterwards. We get all the teams together and and including the players, um, but uh, we we didn't do anything last night. It was a it was a very quiet uh, early morning departure from the facility, and and uh, it was the right thing to do. I think there will come a time when everyone can can celebrate. I think the celebration this time will come in in people's minds and their and their and their feeling of of success that they had. Craig, I know you've spoken a lot about the financial um, benefits of this tournament, but just financially from Tennis Australia, I mean, how big a hole has the sort of the last month put in Tennis Australia's finances? Well, we we had, you know, a number of different plans in place and scenarios and, and uh, you know, there was certainly uh, many variables that happened. The lockdown for five days, not having fans, not being able to sell premium experiences or, or ticketing. We'll exhaust our reserves. We had $80 million of cash in the reserve. We'll exhaust those. And, and on top of that, we've taken a, a loan, which we will use. So it's, it's going to be, it's a, it's be a significant financial strain on the organization. But the positive about it is it's, a, it's put us in a position of momentum where uh, we've got other assets, uh, which, we, which we've invested in, in the past around the world. But uh, we're in, we'll be in a healthy position. Everyone's able to keep their jobs. And, uh, and through how we've managed our finances through the pandemic, that's one of the things we've been incredibly proud of. And we'll get through the next cycle as well. Obviously, we're planning on other events and more events leading in, as well as our major source of revenue. Uh, but we're in, we're in a good place. But uh, we've had to spend all the spare money we had to be in this place. Um, I know it's a long way away, but next year, I mean, could, could you do it all again next year? Or is that just a bridge too far? Financially? Yeah, no, absolutely. We started planning it a week ago. Um, we normally are well f far in advance on, on a, year, a year ahead, but this time we'll be, be a shorter time period because we're in February. But uh, we are. 2022 is going to be a, a magnificent year. Obviously, if we're in, still in a version of the pandemic and we have to do cer certain uh, programs and, 
procedures like we have will be well prepared for those because we've done it once. I don't think there's any variable now that we won't be able to handle because we had every single one uh, thrown at us. Um, I, you know, even even I think anything you can list that could happen in an event, we had these last two weeks. So, so I think the team is well practiced. Um, I'm hoping that we're in a different environment, closer to what we normally used to in 2022, but our partners, the Victorian government, uh, as well as our ticket holders, many will come back. We had, a, we had a long wait list of people that wanted to get in last night. We had our maximum allowed last night, 7,500 people, and that was the maximum that was allowed at 50%. Can you imagine um, vaccines being a mandatory requirement for players next year? It's a hard question to answer that because... Um, I, I believe those that are traveling internationally will be in a position where it's mandatory because the airlines themselves will probably likely mandate that just like they do other forms of, of protocols. So, um, and I, you know, with the Olympic Games coming up, what the athletes are going to do around that, I think is important. Um, but uh, I do think that uh, from everything we're hearing, the vaccinations will be something that will uh, will help everyone. Craig, there was some booing uh, last night with yes. the mention of vaccines. So what did you think they were booing about and, and were you disappointed with that? Well, I, I was on the court, so I heard the magnificent noise that 7,500 people were making. Actually, it's different if you're sitting in the stands if you're on the court. So it was really hard to hear. But uh, people have, you know, people expressed themselves. But for us, the most important thing is that there was actually a very energetic crowd uh, we hadn't seen that. We haven't seen that all year. This was the first time since the pandemic began that there was an organization that put together a sport and entertainment event that had crowds, had the top players in the world, ended up with two great champions, Naomi Osaka on Saturday and Novak last night, two greats of the game, uh, had every top player bar a few that couldn't make it for other reasons and uh, were here for five weeks, which ended up being six weeks. So that's more what we were celebrating. Crowds can express themselves. But uh, it was a very energetic crowd, which we particularly enjoyed. Uh, we were more worried about not having energy on the court, but it was fantastic. Is this the blueprint, do you think, for a major sporting event and, and moving forward now? I think it's a good question. I think it's a good question. I believe it is a blueprint. Um, it's not, everyone has a different way of approaching it. Um, if you want to ensure that every athlete is not either has the virus or is not incubating the virus... You need to have a period of time before where you test consistently and they're isolated for enough period of time where they don't go beyond the incubation period of 10 to 14 days. When you do that and then you stick the athletes out to compete, everyone will have the opportunity to compete and they won't be taken out because they're either a close contact or they contract the virus. So, so I, think, I think that's essential to protect the athletes' health and safety. And that's why in the Olympic Games case, we've been challenging the Olympic Games to ensure that for our athletes, we're concerned about our athletes, um, our tennis players as well, is that are they going to be put in an environment where they can be ensured that they can play? Now, they can get on the court. They're not going to be a close contact or, or not going to be able to con not contract the virus. So I think that's really important. I think it's a blueprint that works. It requires more resources and more time, but if you want to do it right, that's the commitment you have to make, and that's one that we made. So that is Craig Tiley speaking on a nice blustery uh, Brighton Beach uh, earlier today, down with Novak and the Sir Norman Brooks uh, Challenge uh, Cup. Uh, if you want to weigh in on that, 0433981116. We can give us a call, 1300 736 736. Before we go to the break from Swanee, I miss the centre lines person ducking when a 200 kilometre uh, serve gets punched down the centre. That moment they think, oh dear. Uh, my point there, Swanee, why would you want to be a lines person when you've got the big guys serving at 200 kilometres plus? 
We'll take a break. The first serve is your home of tennis. We'll be back with more Scott Spitz from The Age to give us his perspective on this year's Australian Open. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists. Providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Great to be here a day after the Australian Open, all done and dusted for uh, 2021. Brett Phillips in the chair tonight. Love your calls. one 736 736 on the text 0433-98-1116. Uh, Jeff, Simon, Frank, you've all called in tonight. Uh, we will. This is what we do at the first serve. We'll get in touch with you personally. Uh, prizes coming your way, so uh, we'll give you a call uh, probably at some stage tomorrow and deliver those uh, right to your front door. Uh, Scott Spitz has done a beautiful job with The Age, one of our major newspapers in this town, covering the Australian Open, like all of us, uh, starting early, working late the last uh, fortnight. Scott, it's great to have you on the, the day after. Have you had a chance just to wind down a little bit today? Yeah, g'day, VP. My head is certainly spinning. I think that normally happens after uh, after any Australian Open, but after this one in particular, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a slog, but um, thoroughly enjoyable as always. And, yeah, so many great storylines. And, um, obviously, the, the story behind the Open was the... Uh, the threat and living in the COVID world. So, yeah, just a really fascinating two weeks, a couple of weeks, in fact. No doubt. I mean, Scotty, just all sorts of hurdles continually thrown at Tennis Australia, having to deal with those and, and try and get to the finish line yesterday. I mean, it's, it's quite a remarkable effort, really. It's, a, it's an amazing effort. It's stunning. Um, full credit to everyone involved. So much planning and preparation. The tournament was delayed for three weeks. There was conjecture beforehand that uh, they might have to be cancelled. Yeah really protracted and, and intricate negotiations with health authorities to, to get the right conditions done and then and then obviously the agreement of the, the player bodies for that to happen. Um, and, yeah, it, it started on time. There was the even the fact that um, it survived a five-day lockdown in Victoria and crucially, crucially there that um, under, the lock, under the conditions of the lockdown, professional sport was able to go ahead. So, you know, just imagine had it been worse and had the tournament been forced to... Uh, Stop for that time, it would have been that would have been disastrous, no doubt. Scotty, I mean, we walked uh, different corridors, we're in different parts of the precinct, so I'm in sort of a cocoon for uh, for two weeks when I'm at the Australian Open, and you'd be hearing things, seeing things. You're obviously in it, a lot of the the player press conferences. So, what are the things that stand out for you across the fortnight? You know, story wise, uh, the, the things that I suppose uh, made the biggest impression on you. Yeah, it's a great question. I, um, it's what the sport is all about, you know, catting for the, for the, for the fans and their chance to go watch some tennis. So to have seen that drastic time on the Friday night when, when the crowds are actually asked to leave the stadium and then for the next five days to have no, no fans on site at all, you know, for the busiest weekend was just remarkable. So I was really pleased to see when the, when the fans came back and, in terms of you know speaking to the players, they they were consistently asked about you know the, what, what it was like to play in front of crowds, and then what it's like to play without crowds, what they'd gone through with quarantine, how they'd survive hard quarantine. Um, so many different stories there. Jennifer Brady was the exception; she was the player who who defied the odds and then went through hard quarantine and then went all the way to the final. That was a that was a massive achievement. Storylines everywhere. Um, a memorable Australian Open. Um, look, the run of Aslan Karatsev oh. was remarkable. To do, uh, for to win qualifying matches and then go all the way to the semi final, I, I love those stories. So um, it's a life changer, Scotty, isn't it? I mean, 
into all the majors, all the big sort of Masters 1000 events. Uh, the hip pocket looks uh, healthier. It's an absolute life changer. It, just, it should be inspiration to any tennis player. If you're sitting between 100, 200, 200, 300, that, I mean, there's a lot of players, they can play the game extremely well. If you can get that consistency and, and peak at the right time and have one breakthrough, it can just, you know, set yourself up for uh, forever. It, it's a life-changing moment, no doubt. And look, the financial um, reward shouldn't shouldn't be forgotten. I mean, that's just massive, and that will set him up for for life and, and for the rest of his career, no doubt. It, I mean, I like him a bit. I'd, I'd never heard of him. He was, uh, you know, ranked around the 110, 120 mark for the tournament. So mm. not impossible to do what he did. But but again, to, to, to win the qualifying matches that, that weren't even in Australia, I mean, maybe that, maybe that helped him in this case to have that break between the qualifying and, and the start of the tournament. And then all of a sudden you look up and, you know, there's this, there's this guy in, in the fourth round you haven't heard of and Next thing you know, he's hopped through the semi-finals. Yeah, just a stunning, stunning effort, really. Yeah, we love that. Scott Spitzer from The Age with us. Thanks to the KDV Tennis Academy. Live, train and study on the Gold Coast. Enrolments are now open at kdvsport.com, right opposite Metricon Stadium. A terrific tennis facility. When you sit in and you, Scott, listen to Novak Djokovic and you see him up close and so much spoken and written about Novak and who he actually is as a person. And we see the public face. We don't see, you know, the private of it behind the scenes and I think you know Novak alluded to last night that you know there's going to be a documentary come out later this year which will, will go behind the scenes and maybe give an, a different perspective on Djokovic but what's the Novak that you see? Well he interesting BP he has changed over time I think the really thing that I noticed last night after his win was his was his real humility and and you know this is a guy who in, in his early years he would have partied hard after a win and he knew that wasn't even possible this year and he was he was happy that he's very philosophical about his role in the, in the sport and, he, and his status in the in the big three uh and the other interesting thing last night he spoke about the difficulties that players will continue to face with travel this year and and you know there's going to be a lot of events without crowds this year most of them in fact and, and he he reflected really strongly about how he's going to spend a lot of time away from his family and his and his young kids and it was really uh, it was a good insight into into him. You know, he's the world number one. He can he's won so many things, and and they do mean a lot to him. And he's he's just this incredible player who who just steps up when it really counts. You know, um, yeah, it's the, the phenomenal achievement, really. It is. I mean, it was brutal uh, last night, and where we sit in the bunker, and you know, we called it last night. It was great to have Jared and and Rob Koenig uh, with me. And when you're at that court level, and you watch how he just patrols that baseline, and he slides on the hard courts and to penetrate past that is all, well, certainly on Rod Laver Arena, Scott, is mission impossible. Incredible. Look, I, I, I watched a lot of uh, Daniel Medvedev in the lead up to it, and I, I spoke to him a few days ago. And, I, and this is a guy after his semi final, he was, he was oozing confidence. And I genuinely thought yeah. this could be the moment, this could be the time that Djokovic gets beaten. And then he comes out on court, and you just see he goes to a whole new level. And, and I think one person described it that he forces opponents to. To, to aim for a very small spot when they're going to go for a winner. Mm. He just, he moves incredibly well. He stays in points. He returns serve. And because he stays in points, he just, you know, the mathematics there means he's going to, he, he just, he puts himself in a position to win. It's, uh, you know, he's the, he's the king of the hard courts and, you know, his record isn't as strong in New York and it, it's really quirky that um, he's just had this level of dominance, you know, in Melbourne. He's obviously won in... 2008, but for the last 10 years, yep. I think what he's, he's, he's lost three matches. Yep. Um, just phenomenal. 
no doubt uh, he is going to, uh, well, he's, gonna, he's certainly going to break all the records. And look forward to covering some more tennis amongst other sports that you do for the age right throughout the year. Definitely. Thanks, BP. And probably, just remember, worth probably only 11 months to the next Open yeah. in Australia. <laughs> yes, that's right. We get a breather. Uh, Scott Spitz <laughs> uh, from The Age uh, covering uh, this year's Australian Open. A quick break and we'll come back. Uh, Shelby Rogers uh, hopefully going to join us over in Adelaide because the girls have shifted over there for a big WTA tournament. Uh, Scotty, thanks to the KDV Tennis Academy, live, train and study on the Gold Coast. Enrolments are now open at kdvsport.com. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblessedsunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group. Your open space specialists. At glgcorp.com. The first serve. Your home of tennis. Australian Open 2021, and we can talk any uh, broader uh, tennis issues. One uh, 736 736 or on the text oh uh, four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. If you're thinking of buying, selling, or leasing in Melbourne, get in contact with the Collings team. They're great supporters of ours here on the first serve. Uh, their number is nine four eight six two thousand, or visit their website collings.com.au. Uh, Harry Manners doing a beautiful job, although he's uh, a Sitsi Pass fan. He got into the Sitsi Pass box. Uh, v Medvedev on Friday night and uh, be fair to say he wasn't a happy camper. It was a demolition job by Daniel uh, Medvedev uh, who moves to three in the ATP rankings. So Dominic Team slips to four, uh, Shapovalov to 11, Monfils to 12, uh, Grigor Dimitrov uh, went up four spots to uh, 17. But as I mentioned there with uh, Scott Spitz, the uh, big riser, the big story was uh, Aslan Karatsev going up 72 places to 42 in the world. So Naomi Osaka uh, Jennifer Brady with her magnificent run of the final up 11 spots to world number 13. Carolina Mukova who made the semis up 5 to 22. Jessica Bagula had a, a great Australian Open up 18 spots to 43. Shay Suwag, a watcher every day of the week, uh, up 21 spots to 50. And uh, Daria Kasek-Kenu, we need to mention her as well. Uh, won the WTA event that was running in the second week of the Australian Open up 18 spots to 57. She was so close to the top 10 a few years ago. Now, a lot of the um, female players have headed to Adelaide. The Adelaide International being played this week. We know Ash Barty uh, was a late entrant as a wild card on uh, Friday. And, well, she played our next guest at the Australian Open, who's had a terrific uh, win today. I speak of the American uh, Shelby Rogers. Shelby, it's great to have you on our little humble tennis show here in Melbourne. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, nice to get a win today over uh, Kuda Matova in 6-3-7-6. This must feel like a, a whirlwind sort of five or six weeks. Uh, quarantining in Melbourne, Australian Open, now you're in Adelaide. What's it been like for you personally, Shelby? Yeah, it's definitely been a long trip, but it's been a nice treat. I mean, we've got to have fans in the stands and play some really good tennis. And fortunately, I've been able to win a lot of matches and kept it going today against a really good player. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, obviously, the WTA seem to have done a, a terrific job, Shelby, to provide the players with so many playing opportunities through this early part of the year where it's been tough to plan a calendar. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nice for us because we, I mean, Australia is so far, so we travel all this way. It's nice to have a bunch of tournaments in a row. You know, we try to stay as long as we can and enjoy the beautiful cities. It's my first time in Adelaide, so I'm very excited to be here. And, yeah, I want to stay as long as I can. What, what's it like, just in general, you know, being on tour at the moment? I mean, you've been a professional for a long time inside the top 100. You've, you know, made quarterfinals of a major. I mean, where are you at in your own sort of journey right now? And also you throw a pandemic on top of that, which has been such a, a big mm -hmm. adjustment for uh, for all professional tennis players. 
Absolutely. It's been a challenge for everyone and um, a lot of changes along the way. We just kind of, you know, learn to go with the flow now and expect the unexpected. But um, we're, I think we're all grateful to have a job and to be able to compete. And yep. for me, I had knee surgery a couple years ago, so mm. I was off tour for a while. So it's just, it's such a blessing to be back and I'm really enjoying my time on court. And when you gain that perspective, you're able to just enjoy it a little more. How far can you sort of plan ahead at the moment? Not at all. Honestly, it's pretty much day by day. I mean, we can plan tournaments, but things change every week. So yep. it's been a challenge for me to, you know, let go of some of my routines and, you know, controlling all the plans and things like this and just take it each day as it comes, you know, adjust to whatever's happening. And like I said, be thankful for the opportunities we do have. But yes, it's been a very difficult to plan and a lot of changes along the way. Such a healthy representation of American women inside the top 100. I imagine you must be rep for, you know, a Jennifer Brady who makes the final, a Jessica Bagula had a, a breakout uh, tournament as, as two players that really made an impression at this year's Australian Open. Yeah, absolutely. It's so great to be a part of, you know, all these great American players coming up. I mean, I made the quarters of US Open last year, yeah. so it's nice to see you know, my other friends doing well and we kind of push each other and we're having fun doing it. So hopefully it continues. The, the margins are, are very small. I tell people all the time, I mean, you know, people might say, well, this, this result's an upset, but the margins are pretty small between, you know, Ash currently is world number one and, and players who are ranked, you know, outside the top 50. That You know, your, your scalp can be certainly taken. I suppose it comes down to that consistency the, and continuity in players staying, um, you know, healthy, which is a big part of being a professional tennis player. Yeah, absolutely. I think this time in women's tennis is probably the strongest it's ever been. I mean, you have players just outside the top 100 that could still beat anyone any day, you know? So no match is easy. Even in the slams, the first rounds you see are super tough and there's a bunch of upsets on paper really early. So it's really exciting. And I mean, it's a, it's a challenge. It's tough. And every day you just give all you can, leave it all on the court. But yeah, they're, everyone is really, really good right now. Shelby Rogers, uh, American tennis player, joining us in Adelaide. She's had a great win today. Joe Conter coming up, Shelby, for you next. Uh, just give us a, a bit of a feel of, you know, your your team. Uh, because, you know, travelling around the world, we see players with, you know, sort of bigger entourages, smaller entourages, but they're, they're such an important part of, you know, the day-to-day -day ins and outs of travelling as a player. Yeah, absolutely. I think you saw a lot of players um, cut down on their entourages just because of, you know, the pandemic. Some people aren't comfortable traveling yet and, you know, with the quarantine, things like this. Um, so I just traveled here with my coach, just me and him. We actually just started working together a few months ago. So it's been um, an interesting journey. We've gotten to know a lot about each other and, <laughs> you know, figure out some <laughs> things. But it's been a lot of fun and uh, hopefully we can continue that. But, yeah, I think the entourage is super important, especially because it's an individual sport. It yeah. can get a little bit lonely, but you need someone that can stay positive and encourage you and, you know, keep good energy throughout the year. Yeah, the dynamic of player and coach is fascinating as tennis fans to watch. I mean, there's obviously been some long-standing sort of coach-player relationships in tennis on both sides, and then there are those, uh, those, those players will have a, a lot of coaches across their career for varying reasons, I suppose. You know, you don't maybe quite see eye to eye or you're on, going on different uh, different journeys. Um, how, how difficult is that to get that right synergy with a coach and, and that you know, the, the going to work aspect? And then obviously there's the sort of off-court aspect as well. Yeah, it's absolutely very difficult because um, you have to get somebody that you mesh with. They might be a great coach, but you just don't get along with them. Or, you know, everybody's a little bit different and people find different things that work. So... You're together a lot, you know, on the road, many weeks per year. So I'm 
kind of the player that likes to have a coach for a long time. Some mm. players like to switch and get different opinions quite often. But, yep. yeah, it's a very, you know, personal decision and a unique one for each player. So there's no there's no right or wrong answer, and that's kind of the beauty of it too. A couple of quick ones. Do you like the electronic line calling, Shelby? Are you a fan? Yes. Please bring it back. <laughs> I was I really did enjoy it in Melbourne. I think, um, you know, you step on the court and – you agree to this machine there's no controversy there's no questioning it it's yep. just that's what stands so I, I thought it was a really cool um innovation and and i would like to see it more for sure let's are you a fan of let's would you ban let's or do you think um you know obviously historically they've been part of tennis forever on the serve you mean yeah absolutely yeah i mean i think yeah it's a part of it i i mean it's fine it doesn't happen as much as you think and you know it doesn't really change the course of a match i don't think but we have world team tennis where we do play let's so that's kind of interesting but i'm fine with it as is right now and one last one uh towels i don't think we'll ever go back to um a time when you know particularly in the COVID times when ball kids are going to be bringing players towels was that an adjustment that was pretty easy, you know, just to go and sort of, you know, get your towel, do what you got to do and get back up to the service line? Because players are so used to having sort of ball kids run out towels. Sure, yeah. I, it, that was an easy adjustment for me, and I think it's one that will stick around, like you said. But as a former ball girl myself, as a child, yep. Yep. I actually really enjoyed taking the towels to players because you felt, you know, so close to them and, like, yeah. you were really a part of their match. But, um, yeah, I think it's fine now, players handling all of that on their own. I really appreciate some insights. Good luck in Adelaide, Joe Condor, and uh, hopefully you can have a nice uh, deep run uh, this week. And, uh, and good luck for the year ahead, uh, however you sort of navigate your way through and wherever the tour does take you. And really appreciate the chat. Yeah. Thank you so much, and I hope to see all of you guys out there for the night match. I think I am tomorrow, so Indeed. that'll be fun. We are going to Adelaide Broadcasting tonight. Shelby Rogers, uh, American, who did play, of course, uh, Ash Barty at the Australian Open. has made a couple of quarters, one at the uh, French Open and, as uh, Shelby mentioned, at the US Open uh, last year. Of course, thanks to uh, Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist. That is ASTI Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Uh, check out aste.com.au. A break. We'll come back with our last seg here on the first Serve. First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Indeed it is, uh... Post Australian Open edition uh, tonight. Brett Phillips uh, with you. We'll be into our sort of eight o'clock regular slot uh, right throughout 2021 as of uh, next week. But if you are listening via, of course, SENSA, Adelaide International, we spoke to Shelby Rogers. Ash Barty's going to be in town. Uh, she's got the bye in the first round. So her, uh, of course, uh, second round match to be uh, determined. It's a pretty good field, to be honest. Uh, Barty, Bencic, uh, Conta, uh, Mertens, uh, Sviontek, uh, Martic, uh, Put. Tintseva. No uh, no mice over in Yulia's Hotel, and I think over there in Adelaide. Uh, so there is a, a very good feel for the Adelaide International. In fact, there's tournaments uh, going on uh, right across uh, the globe. Uh, the tennis tour does move pretty quickly. So the Singapore Open uh, being played this week. There's a fair bit of Australian representation. James Duckworth, uh, JP Smith, who's got in as a qualifier. Mark Polmans, uh, Alexi Poprin, who I need to answer a message on our socials. I did promise that. Uh, also, Matt Ebden and uh, John Millman will be 
in the field. We might give a little a little take on that the Australians first serve at Twitter from. Uh, uh, EJ here. I've been following Popperin for a while now, Brett. I think he has the game to have a really, really good career. Right now, though, he seems to be struggling to make that next step. Do you think he can break in to that top 100, top 50? And if so, when? Would love your opinion. Well, he's a great talent. There's no doubt. He's got good people around him and uh, doing a lot at the Moritoglu Academy like Sitsi Pass. So I know that Patrick Moritoglu, who was sitting in uh, Stefanos's coaching box when he's not in Serena's coaching box and he'll sit in Alexi's coaching box as well. So obviously uh, there's some good grounding there and uh, a few of his staff underneath, uh, uh, I suppose, have taken Alexi uh, under their wing. Uh, he's well managed. Yeah, he didn't really get going at all uh, last year. Obviously elected not to go to the US Open and he stayed in Europe and then played some challenges later in the year, couldn't quite hit his straps. Had a, what, a win or two in the lead-up uh, to the Australian Open, then had that uh, great five-set win over uh, Goffan. Look, he's got easy power. He's got a big serve. But you've just got to keep adding layers and dimensions. I, I, it's hard to project totally where he is going to land uh, at the moment because, you know, a lot of players play of a, a similar nature. So how, how does he have a little point of difference that can maybe uh, just elevate him up the order? I mean, right now we've got Demonor at 23. Now, if you want my honest opinion here, I mean, I, I think... That's not the total ceiling for Alex. I think he can go higher, but the the ones ahead of him are going to make it damn tough. So he's got to bide his time. He's, we might be another four or five years away from Alex Demonor uh, really um, hitting his straps. So Millman at 39. So that's about where John's at. You know, if he could get into the top 20, uh, or sorry, the top 30, I think that would be a great achievement. He's capable. I mean, Kyrgios at 48. Just going to depend how much tennis Nick wants to play this year. Jordan Thompson at 50. You know, he's going to have to add some weapons to what is a pretty sound game fundamentally if he's going to go any higher. Duckworth at 100, you know, hopefully stays injury-free because he should be around that sort of 60, 70 mark. Popperin at 114, O'Connell and Polman. So they're the three who could certainly elevate themselves inside the top 100. Um, and they've got to start winning sort of a few of these 250 events at that lower end. So we could be sitting here in a year's time with all those guys with a, a similar ranking. I can't quite project forward how they're going to make the inroads at this stage, in my uh, personal opinion. Uh, Yarra Tennis Coaching is Melbourne's independent tennis coaching program. It's at Eaglemont Tennis Club. It's run by Shane Scrutton. He's a beauty. Programs at every age and standard. Contact Shane 0414 373 586 or uh, check out uh, yarratennis.com.au. Uh, uh, so the Singapore Open on this week. Uh, Cordoba over in uh, Argentina, the 250 on the clay. Diego Schwartzman is the top seed there. And, uh, Benoit Pair is uh, the uh, number two seed. Hopefully um, he uh, will get through the week without any uh, major dramas, but that's not uh, Benoit's sort of style. And, of course, in Montpellier in France, uh, Roberta Bautista Agut is the top seed there. Uh, David Goffin is the number two seed. And Andy Murray is playing in that event. And Joe Wilfred Songer, who we didn't actually see uh, out here in Australia for the Australian Open. So hopefully a bit of life left in uh, Joe Willie. Available now, the sixth-generation Yonex V-Core Rackets, a toolbox of spin shots, Waiting to be unlocked. Available at Yonex dealers right around Australia. And, of course, do all your tennis shopping at Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. They've got fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit tennisdirect.com.au and use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10. I'm going to take a little breather for the next few days, but the tennis doesn't stop. Keep an eye on our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Follow us on our socials. We'll do it all again next Monday night. Have a great night, everyone, and hit them well.
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.